Hi, how's it going, everybody? And welcome to the Debutify podcast, the premier e-commerce podcast brought to you by Debutify. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and joining me today is Matthew Holman, the co-founder and head of growth for Qpilot, which is an e-commerce brand that provides customizable software to help increase subscription revenue. On this episode, we talk about Matthew's emphasis on user experience, the importance of the subscription model, how to integrate Qpilot, and much, much more. Here's our interview now. Matthew, welcome to the show. Great. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, we're happy to have you. So why don't we first start off with you telling us a bit about your company, Qpilot? Yeah, absolutely. So Qpilot, we're a subscription platform for e-commerce brands. That's typically a mouthful. So uh, you can think of us in the simplest sense as we're that widget that you put on your site where customers choose the subscribe and save option. But that's kind of like the tip of the iceberg. There's a whole lot that goes into an, an amazing subscription program from logistics and you name it, customer experience. We really like to say that we're the subscription platform that lets uh, subscriptions change. So the way that you need them to change, the way that customers need them to change over time. And we've been around for about four or five years on WooCommerce and are just now launching on Shopify and then Salesforce later this year. Oh, that's great. So I also wanted to kind of get into your background a little bit before we talk about Qpilot. I think that'll kind of inform this conversation. Prior to entering the e-commerce space, you actually worked as a a graphic designer. So what are some of those important skills that you learned as a graphic designer and how does that experience translate to running Qpilot? Absolutely. I mean, really, uh, great graphic design. Uh, I worked in a lot of, did a lot of signage work and then also in printing. And so what's interesting about that is, you know, we'd get signage requests, say for a parking lot sign, and somebody has this huge message and they want like, you know, 50 words of all why you can't park here and all this stuff. And the sign's supposed to be a 12 by 18 which is not that big. And so there was often a disconnect between what people thought they could fit on a sign or fit on a form. And so I think great design is about tying people back to the outcome they want instead of just trying to say or talking at people. And so that's, I think, a skill that translates really well to all aspects of marketing as well as B2B communication. And really any kind of communication is understanding like, how you can, what you want to say and how you can say it in a way that doesn't overwhelm people and gets you the message, gets the message across that you actually want somebody to have, right? If you don't want somebody to step on the lawn, sometimes it's just better to say, don't step on the lawn, you'll kill the grass. As Keep opposed off grass. To, <laughs> right. As opposed to this really long explanation of why it's important to da 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 You know, some people will read that, but most people are just going to notice keep off the grass. That makes a lot of sense. And and I think one of the other things that I've heard in marketing, and maybe even in, in that specific example of graphic design is giving someone what they need packaged as what they want. Exactly. No, is that something that you've also found in, yep. in Qpilot and in, in your experience in e-commerce? Well, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, talking about subscriptions and you can get into all the, we can get in all the weeds of all the different things and functions and features between us and every other platform. But at the end of the day, it's like we do really well with people that want something a little bit more dynamic than your typical set and forget subscription. That's our bread and butter. So we say that we give our customer subscriptions that can change. So we're trying to simplify that down. Now, once you start to dig in what that actually means, you can start unlocking all or, you know, getting into all the specifics. But otherwise, it's just difficult to say like, hey, we do blah, 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 blah. And, you know, somebody might not even understand what that is, but they might be a great fit for us kind of thing. So it's really important to find that that sweet spot. Yeah, I can imagine. Is is the software itself generally one size fits all, regardless of the size of of say the brand or company that is purchasing it? Not necessarily. It's it's like what's interesting is it's not so much one size fits all. Is I think it would be more accurate to think of like we're a specific type of race car, 
And if you're just running errands to go drop something off at the post office, you don't, you might not need all the horsepower we're going to give you. We're still going to get you to point A to point B, but we might be too expensive for a brand that just wants to make trips to the post office. So we do better for brands that have more complex needs around logistics and how they're trying to, and data and how they're trying to control the subscription process. Um, and there's a lot of other apps and software that do better for maybe a more straightforward experience. So we can help just about everybody, but whether that's worth the price and or maybe unused potential, I guess, in a software w- w- would be the question. So more specifically, have you found QPilot to be more beneficial in helping a company, say, develop subscriptions or a subscription habit from its customers? Or is it more beneficial in helping a company fine tune and customize an already prevalent subscription base? Yeah, that's a great question. I think we can certainly do well with with brands that are launching, that are focusing on it and putting resources behind it. I think that we do best when somebody's already been doing subscriptions because there's some very clear pain points that we solve that exist with other subscription apps. It's kind of one of those things is like in the sales process, sometimes I, I've actually been on demos where I sometimes have to say to somebody, that's okay, you can go with that other option that's cheaper and seems easier. Like I can't, I can't stop you. Like until you've gone through that pain yourself, I can't convince you what's down that road. And sometimes, again, sometimes for a lot of brands, it's like it is easier just to use something that's a little bit simpler because it gets you to from point A to point B faster and cheaper. But then there are some brands that uncover some issues that we do really, really well with. So, And that's a pretty savvy marketing technique that I've seen in other industries and fields is that, you know, gut shot transparency of, you know, no, 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 you need it. You need to go with us doesn't exactly work because then you're both not happy at the end of the day. They're not using the product in the way that it might supposed to be used. And then they're actually thinking about you down the road a little bit. Once they go with another product and are ready to kind of like scale up a little bit and customize a little bit, they'll, they'll, they'll be able to come back to you. So I think that's a pretty savvy strategy. Is that something that happens often? Um, it doesn't happen too often. Thankfully, like, I think the other part is like as a small team, like if we were a real, like a really big, you know, hundreds of people team, then it, it might be a little bit different because people are trying to hit quota and hit their numbers kind of thing for as a smaller team. And I'm being one of the co-founders, I hear what doesn't work with our customer support and success team, right? I hear with our or with our QA and our engineers, the types of customers that are bad for us that cause a huge drain on resources. So a lot of times it is just easier to say, you need to go do, you know, we're here, this is what we do well, but for right now, you're probably better situated to go do this other thing. Because part of that too, is I don't want a customer who's entry level for us draining all of our resources while they figure out how to do subscriptions the right way, right? It's a lot better when somebody comes to us and you can meet in the middle. You already know some of the problems you need. We know how to solve them. Let's work together to do that, right? As a partnership instead of, anyway, because then, then it just makes it harder to scale and make acquire customers profitably, right? As a B2B or B2C, it's the same thing. You want to acquire the right type of customers, people that are going to appreciate what you're doing that you can actually help. Because if you can't actually help somebody, they're going to either hate you or leave in, in the end anyway. Everyone ends up unhappy. So does the client experience require a certain predisposition to say tech savviness in terms of a company integrating the software into their website via widgets? Or, or is that something that might require like a, a Qpilot agent's help? It, it does definitely depends. Like for us, it's like we, again, that flexibility thing, we believe that comes the same way from an implementation standpoint. So if you've got developers, if you have tech savvy people, we've got guides and docs and a really responsive support team that can help guide that. If you don't and you want us to take over and drive it for you, we can do that as well. So we try to just meet people where where they are with how they want that to be managed. Oh, that's nice. So speaking on on that 
user experience coupled with you know your background in design how important was user experience in designing the software really important like we we unlock a few different designs for brands like there's preset templates that we have available i think the biggest oh, cool. way it's engaged with is on the account my account page, right? Where somebody's going in to see their subscription order. And so depending on the uses, because we also have some B2B customers that want things to look a little bit more professional and buttoned up um, as opposed to maybe something looks like a more open and free design. So there's a, the ability to customize templates. So yeah, we we definitely feel like brands should have the control they want to offer the experience they want from a design standpoint. And what are some of those more specific customizable features? I've done a little research, but for our audience, I know you can kind of change you know, your delivery method how often, like what products are changing. So why don't you give us a little background on Premier customizable features? Because I think that's definitely the, I don't know, most special part of the product. Yeah, I think it's just important to keep in mind that for most subscription customers, they're not going to make changes, right? Like overall, your average subscription customer from month to month is going to get the product they want when they want it. The issue is, is as soon as somebody has a change to make, if you can't make it really simple and straightforward they're going to be frustrated and or cancel, right? So so we're talking about making it very simple to see that you can click here to change your delivery date. You can click here to change how frequently you're getting it. If you want to pause, if there is a cancel because they don't like something, upsell options when you want to add other products, right? The ability to just see everything very clearly where you can manage shipping addresses or payments, and then there's also additional design elements um, from a brand perspective, right? If, if there's additional logos or coloring or a copy or messaging that you want to include on that order, making that really simple is something that we try to do as well. No, that's great. So what are some of the more specific benefits that a company sees when integrating QPilot into their website if they're like even just considering subscription or the software in general? Yeah, absolutely. A couple of key things that we do, I think that's a little bit differently than the rest of the space is around what's called a programmatic subscription. So if you have something that needs to change over time, right? Month one, somebody might be getting one bag of coffee. Month two, it's a different flavor. And, and you as the brand are controlling how that changes or you want the customer to be able to control how that changes. A lot of subscriptions might start with a welcome package and then after that, there's a different product that comes other than the month one. So those are customers that we work really, really well with. The other thing is related to delivery or shipping needs. Again, a lot of subscriptions are kind of a set and forget mentality, but if you are dealing with, you need more control, customers need to see uh, delivery outcomes. They need to see what shipping charges might be depending on that, or you're doing local delivery options. We do really well with those those two. And then ultimately, the other thing is, I think that just QPilot sees things from a more specific logistics level. We have more data available. And for us, you know, some of our own studies we've seen within our platform relate to the power that comes when customers can change things. And so this is true of all subscriptions anywhere, is you have a core group of people, again, that don't necessarily need to make changes on a consistent or regular basis. But when somebody does need to make a change, Making that change easier unlocks a lot of growth. So for example, just changing that schedule date or that frequency option one time, on average, we see that's $60 higher in LTV, right? Changing it three times is a 200% increase in LTV. Being able to change products, like if you change somebody that changes products three times, that's a 600% increase in LTV. So the idea is that if somebody might be canceling because they are not getting quite what they want or when they want it making it easy for them to change means they stick around longer. And so that kind of flexibility unlocks more growth and profitability for your brand. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and you're retaining your customers over a long time value. So instead of just replacing customers via you know, growth, 
you're actually getting to add new customers because your retention's so good. Absolutely. Diving into that, this data that you're talking about, what are some of the data points that you collect for you know, your company in terms of its usefulness, I guess, for the company buying and integrating QPilot software. And I imagine that there are some helpful data points for the customer that's using the software via the company's website. Yeah, absolutely. I think for for brands implementing QPilot, some of the interesting data points are reflected around retention efforts, right? So mm-hmm. um, as a subscription software, we don't necessarily track, right, your how you're acquiring those customers because we don't necessarily see that data, but we're very, very focused on the retention side of things. So this means paying attention to what types of error codes you might be seeing that are affecting your program, what types of the length of a subscription, the type of activity activity you're seeing over the life of a subscription, meaning what people are changing or not changing, what actual frequencies they're being used, your most popular products. And then we com- we can compare those to industry-related profiles within our own software, right? So if you're selling coffee, we can compare you to other coffee subscription companies to see how you're performing. And then also looking at things like average order value is another really important one. Um, For example, like a customer we were working with recently, they had a lower average order value than their um, industry, but they had a higher frequency. They were having a lot of people order every two weeks instead of every four weeks. So in time, their LTV was actually higher than than they might have thought um, comparatively. So, but yeah, there, there, there's a lot that gets in there. Every business is a little bit different. Um, one of the things I always preach is if you're not doing it already, you want to be able to track that data, tracking data around cancellations, reasons why people are churning um, is really important as well. But once you start to unpack that data, get that data, you can start to unpack it. What does this mean? Um, and anecdotally, kind of what that, how that translates is like a really common reason why customers churn on subscriptions. So this is like thinking about the end user is they have too much product. But every brand's reason for why their customer has too much product can be different, right? So it could be something as simple as, they don't have the right frequency set, right? Like I, I didn't understand that I'm taking one of these a day. So that means I need a, I need a, a subscription for every two months instead of every one month, right? For, for my particular usage. Others might be related to people need time to, to, to make a habit out of a subscription of how, how often they're using it. So getting into the whys behind the like quantitative reasoning why somebody's churning, getting into the whys behind them helps unlock a lot of growth opportunities because you can change how you're onboarding customers in the subscription program. So you go over the analysis of that sort of stuff with the company that is buying the software. Is that something that they kind of do by themselves? Or is that something you do by yourself? How does that really work? Well, we're willing to do it with anybody that's using our platform. Um, not everybody t- takes advantage of that, but that is something that is available for our customers is we do basically we'll do data pulls and data reviews and check-ins with them. Yeah, I'd, I'd be all over that. If, if I was using your software, I'd say, all right, I want to go over this data with you do, do you think that it's because, personally, do you think it's because people have their own teams that they'd rather go over that data with? Or do you think it's because um, they're still kind of learning what all these data points even mean and how to use it? I think part of it is certainly a focus element, um, right? Running an e-com brand, there's so many things you could be worried about. Once you have subscriptions and they're running okay, you go back to worrying about sourcing or acquisition or other things. So for us, most of the most of our own brands that are taking advantage of that is because it is a priority for them. They're focused on it. And part of that might be messaging on our side. You know, we've we've let people know this happens and this is available, but you know, maybe I'm not uh telling everybody on our platform enough that they could be doing it this way. Certainly something I, I could be looking at. But um yeah, it's really comes down to if you're focused on this, this is how we can help and uh, help unlock stuff because we have a great data side of our team and our customer success team and then I bring in a lot of growth 
practices from my own research and onto our platform, but other brands related to subscription best practices. So that's part of your job title is head of growth. So more specifically, you're trying to grow the Q pilot brand from a marketing perspective, as well as I don't know, growing, growing revenue. Yeah. Yeah. So part of, part of our pricing model is usage, kind of like an email platform. So um, basically the more subscriptions you have, the more money that you make and the more money we make. So we're incentivized to grow your program. So for me, that really just comes down to education, trying to train people, help people figure out how to unlock that, understanding testing, how they should be approaching and that kind of thing. So that we have a big content arm called um, subscription prescription that I do a lot of like a, you know, weekly newsletter. Um, We do a ton of engagement in that way. And it helps both our existing customers, but also help us acquire, you know, leads for potential users of our software in the future. No, that's great. Do you feel that it's more complicated having a product like software that is continuously evolving and being developed and tweaked and updated as opposed to a more material product like you've mentioned coffee, like right. something that's kind of more I don't know, tangible like that, that doesn't really change that much over time? It certainly is a a little more complex. I would say that what makes the biggest difference is the buying cycle, right? So, you know, coffee, I think people are more quick to buy or try coffee than they are, say, a software that they're going to subscribe to and they have to implement. So that does end up changing how people consider it. And and even within an e-commerce brand, like I mentioned, it's there's lots of different focuses, right? So if like you're using another subscription app and things are going okay, maybe you're not worried about it. It's when maybe there's some external pressure or you feel like, you know, as a brand, you want to prioritize your revenue there. Then you start maybe looking to see if there's other options out there. And that process is going to take a lot longer to consider and evaluate other softwares than it would say buying coffee or trying a new CBD product or something like that. And it's definitely more more long-term. The coffee, it's like, I could always buy more down the road and right. and it's, I don't know, a little, it's not as costly compared to software, which requires like some research. And that's why, con- why content and relationship part is so important, right? Like, you know, I had a conversation with somebody um, early last year that came back to us after, like I mentioned, they wanted to go with the cheaper option because it seemed better. And I was like, okay, here you go. And I checked in with them a little bit to say like, Hey, just how things are going. And then after about six months, they found out how bad it was with that other solution and came back and started talking to us again. So, so, you know, you mentioned the importance of relationships. It's, it's really high in software content. We've done a lot of work to position ourselves as an expert in the field through research with our own customers, but also in the field overall, um, because we do think that it's, it's a definitely a long-term strategy growing software company. How did you how did you get into that cuz you know looking at your resume a little bit it did start with graphic design there was some marketing and then it, it felt like it was just software so where 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 did that kind of come from Yeah I was a uh, I was working before Qpilot kind of my first real big marketing gig was running content and marketing for a e-commerce logistics company called eHub and so being able to write content around shipping is about as dry as it gets. Maybe payments might be a little bit worse um, from a dryness standpoint. Um, but I was doing that for a while and um, also doing some other marketing kind of consulting and then kind of got the bug of wanting to be my own boss, wanted to be the one in control of my own fate. And so, um, you know, somebody introduced me to David, the founder of Qpilot, and he was looking for a partner to take over growth and marketing. And 
And again, Qpilot does a lot from a logistics standpoint. So it, it actually was a pretty good fit with understanding why logistics is important in e-commerce and how it can be, how it can affect a business, which was so it's kind of a good segue. But what's interesting is like my first year at Qpilot, we did a lot of like, I would call it the marketing checklist of trying to go through doing ads and doing all the different ways you can try to sell stuff. And it wasn't actually really a great alignment with what I'm good at, which is community and content. And so after about a year of kind of like feeling like we were all over the place, my second year with the company was a lot more focused in on my strengths and what we believe are the strengths of the platform, right? So yeah, so it's been about 12, 13 months of kind of taking that approach and it's gone pretty well. No, that's that's great. I mean, that kind of feels like the two general strategies is it's like, let me, let me tell you how good our product is. And it, it seems to me, you know, Matthew, that your style is more like, let me show you how good it is. And then I can explain to you why it's so good in terms of like, I don't know, the content mixed with the education. I just feel like audiences nowadays or potential customers nowadays automatically more educated, but they're also more skeptical because it's such a competitive market and everything that they need to be shown how good it is and then explained why it's so good because everyone's just hit with so many spam emails and and over promises and under delivering that it's kind of nice when you can do the other way around and under promise over deliver. Absolutely. And I think for us too, we found out for us, our, our ideal customer, aside from, you know, uh, maybe needing subscriptions is somebody who's focusing on subscriptions, because if we know their team is focused, we can give them all these extra resources and commitment. And that means they'll grow, which is better for both of us. Right. So a lot of times too, when I'm doing consult calls or just meeting brands and talking to them. I'm not trying to sell them on the software. Initially, I'm trying to understand what they're doing and what's working, what's not. I try to help them, right? That creates a relationship. I'm offering value. And in some instances, the problem that they're solving is something Qpilot does better than anybody else, right? So I can then say comfortably, well, if you are interested in switching, like you should look at this and this and this because of the pain points that you've outlined to me. Otherwise, it's like, you know, hey, you should try this Switching off software is really, really painful. So it's that should be a last resort for for some big problems. Otherwise, you should try to work with what you got to see if you can unlock what um, what your brand really needs. Following the education trail, uh, what what are some of the misconceptions that people do have about software development that you'd like to acknowledge or possibly dispel? I think part of the problem does come down to messaging: is brands not doing a good job of differentiating how they're different or why they're different or the value that they offer. You know, if you're a time management software, it's telling everybody you're going to save time. You know, people are seeing that kind of ad or messaging from every other time management software out there. So I think that that can be a problem with brands as you're trying to find the right positioning. Um, the idea that you want to, I, I think, a mistake that that we've made early on at QPilot, but we're I think that we're great about now is not trying to sell to everybody because we're not a great fit for everybody. And again, coming back to that small team thing, like I can't afford to onboard a a big customer that's not a good fit for us. Like that could kill our company. Um, So we want to find people that are looking for what we do well and that we know that we can help. Um, So it does kind of change the mentality a little bit. Um, And then, but I mean, for a lot of software companies, when you start to raise and you're taking on outside capital, it creates a lot of additional pressure to hit goals and metrics. And that's when I think mistakes can sometimes happen because you're trying to go faster than maybe your brand or your product are ready for. And that's what I appreciated about your messaging when I went to the Qpilot website is it felt very, it wasn't over explaining anything. It was like, we do subscriptions, they're customizable. 
give us a call. And, and, and I kind of appreciate that where it's not like I'm getting bombarded with charts and graphs and, you know, your 10 point process as to why it works a little bit. You know, it, it just felt a bit more like I wasn't being sold to. And, and that is what impresses me about companies more nowadays. It's like, we know what we do. We know what we're good at what we do. If you're interested, give us a call because it, it, it what I'm kind of hearing you say, Matt, is that you're not really chasing down people to use your company. If anything, it might even be the opposite right now where you have to see if it's a good fit before selling your product to them. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Like That's one of the reasons why I'm excited about Salesforce. Shopify is a huge market and we're premiering in there. And I think there's going to be, we're ha- going to have a lot of success there. But you know, Salesforce, we found some customers that have like, it's almost like if you lined up their pain points, it lines up with our strengths. And and those types of those types of things are pretty rare in the software world where it's like everything they need is something that we either do or that we could do very easily with just a little bit of development. And so that's what gets exciting is because now it's like, oh, I'll have a customer that I can explain to people what we do really well instead of in vague terms of why this is important or not. I can explain it through a story. This brand uses us like this. Boom, 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 boom. So yeah, I think it's the best way to grow a company. That's and but that's been our journey and that's how how we've been doing it. Um, and we're making it work for us. And to anyone who does want that sort of education, is is the case studies on your website are, are pretty good too. I, I found. Oh yeah, those um, are they're, fun. They're, they're very yeah. specific and enlightening. So. You know, before we wrap up, I always I always like to ask our guests this final question with the e-commerce industry is generally pretty 27, 24-7. It's pretty, you know, go, 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 not a lot of downtime. But I found that successful people make time for what's important. And I think, you know, a healthy work-life balance and stable mental health makes people as successful as possible. So with that said, what do you do with your free time to promote a healthy work-life balance, Matthew? Yeah, well, I'm training for a triathlon. Nice. Um, so uh, yeah, so that's one thing I'm trying to exercise consistently. You know, I definitely try to not work late in the evening so I can spend time with my my kids and my wife. Um, it's certainly a priority for me. Um, I, I do, on the flip side, though, find time on the weekends to knock out a quick project or reply to a few things. So I think time boxing for that's important. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely exercise and engagement. Um, I actually uh, bought a PS5 last summer as a means of like disconnecting my brain from marketing. At least stuff you got one. And just, and just being present. Well, it was funny. My cousin had an extra one. He like buys them up when they come out so he can just help out a friend or family when. So I literally was just asking him because he's one of those guys who like knows how to use bots to like, he, he he's just all over it. And I said, hey, do you know a great way to get a PS5? He's like, well, I got one sitting here if you want it. So yeah, I was pretty lucky. Here. I, I asked the right guy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's very cool. Are, are you in any specific video games? Oh yeah, I'm loving Ghost of Tsushima right now. Okay. Um, I'm, and I also love Horizon. Um, I played the first two of those. I just love them. I'm about halfway through Elden Ring, but I'm taking a break because I'm super frustrated by it. Um, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> I've heard people say that that's one of those that you can get sucked into very easily. So you got to kind of take yeah, breaks on. For sure. Well, great, man. It's It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Good luck to Qpilot. And uh, yeah, really appreciate having you on, Matthew. Absolutely. It's been fun. Thank you. Yep. Till next time. 
I'd like to thank my guest, Matthew Holman, for joining me on the show. And tune in next week when I sit down with Samir Balwani, the CEO of Query, a media agency specializing in paid advertising. For more information about Matthew, you can connect with him on LinkedIn or follow him on Twitter and YouTube at subscriptiondoc. To learn more about QPilot, you can check out their website, qpilot.com. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. And we hope you come back to find new episodes being published every Tuesday. Until next time.